Good morning, good morning, Rabotai. Welcome to Breakfast on the Class. Breakfast on the Class today is dedicated in loving memory and Lilunishma David Ben Naima, sponsored by the Aaron family, as well uh, dedicated in loving memory of Mara Sutton Lava Shalom Lilunishmat Moshe Ben Adel by the Edmund J. Safra Synagogue. Dedicated in loving memory of Adele Tawel Alea Shalom Lilunishmat Adina Adel Yael Batlea by Lillian and Jack Suran family, and dedicated in honor of Susie Warshaw, sponsored by her son, Yonatan Warshaw. Dedicated for the speedy and complete refuah of Haim Ben Aliza, sponsored by his friends at SPL Group. In loving memory of Marvin R. Azrak, Lilunishmat Mordechai Ben Norma, who dedicated his life to helping the community, sponsored by the Azrak family. Sponsored by Avi Oster, dedicated in honor of his wife, Joel Maslaton Oster, Yael Bat Rachel. And as well, dedicated to commemorate the Azkrav Moshe Haddad, Moshe Ben Polisa, uh, Corey's grandfather, sponsored by Corey and Mark Adjmi. Week of Cobra was sponsored by David Iash in honor of you and your substantial capacity to do good today and every day. We spoke yesterday a little bit about Yitro and the power of being able to break through your agenda and your bias to listen to what's being said, even if you don't love what's being said. If it's honest, if it's real, if it's authentic, if it's true, even if you're not happy to hear it, someone's telling you something about yourself that you need to know, or someone's telling you what they call a hard truth, the ability, the decision to be willing to listen is something that Yitro is very famous for. But there's something else that I think is an uber important element, and that is, like we said, the end of the Ma'amar Chazal. The question is asked in the Midrash, Eze Shama Uba. Which thing did he hear? and come for. What did he come for? Now, the machloket, the disagreement over what it was that triggered Yitro's growth process is one question. But there's something else that really bears repeating. And that is that you see that the minute, that the moment that Yitro heard something that made an impact, shama uba. He heard and he came. To illustrate something which is one of the most important lessons of uh, the inspiration that a person feels. The, the, we know we, there's a, a famous line from the Vilna Gaon. The Pasuk says, You're going to put it on your hearts. What goes after that? The, the Vilnaga asks a question. What does it mean that a person, uh, right, that a person ties, that, excuse me, that a person puts the words of Hashem on his heart? Right? What, what, what does it mean that you put the words of God on your heart? Ask the Vilnaga on a very famous question. Where should the words of God be placed? Well, we would think, not on your heart, but. In your heart. So why does it say on your heart? It says the Vilna Gaon. Very powerful idea. He says there's many times that you would love to put something in your heart, but you can't. Your heart's closed. We say every day, meaning that the heart needs to be opened. The heart is closed. You can't teach a dog, an old dog, new tricks. Someone comes up to you, they tell you there's a new mitzvah. You're like, that's a new thing. I never heard of that. No. Well, you, all, you know all the mitzvot. You learned all of the Torah, that you're an authority, that you can tell the guy, if I never heard of it, it didn't happen. All the time, people come to me, they'll tell me something. 
And I'll say, you know, I never heard of it, but I never, I didn't learn all the Torah. Just because I never heard of it doesn't mean it's not a thing. Maybe I never heard of it, but it's, not, it's something I'm learning now. A person's heart is generally closed when someone's asking him to do something. When someone's asking you uh, to be, uh, to give tzedakah, right? And the guy tells you all about his organization, right? Your heart's closed because there's a price tag. If someone's telling you about his organization, but he's not asking you for money, he's asking the other guy for money, then, oh, you want to hear? Tell me more. Tell me, asking questions. How many people? If the guy's asking you, you know more questions? More questions, more money. <laughs> so you start, you close. Says it on Stack all of my mitzvot on your heart. Why? Because the time will come where something will happen. A person will experience uh, 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 a, a miracle. They'll be saved from a car crash. Something will happen and your heart will open for a second. And in that one second that a person really has an open heart, Yom Kippur, sometimes you feel that. That true, genuine desire to change, to improve. Your heart opens, whatever you stacked on the heart up until that point, boom, all falls in. The Vilna Gaon says, that's why it says, But I think that there's something that flows from that Vilna Gaon. When a person has a moment of inspiration, of excitement, of a genuine desire to do something better, to be something better. What's the immediate response to having something on your heart? Ukshatem, and you'll tie it on your arm. Our rabbis tell us that the tefillin shel yad and the tefillin shel rosh represent the head and the, and the heart. The heart specifically on the hand, talking about the world of ma'asev actions. So if something touched you, if something excited you, what does the immediate follow-up have to be? Ukshatem otam, put it on your hand. Do something with it instantly. Turn a machshava, a thought, turn an emotion into an action. If you tell your, your girlfriend, you're gonna get engaged, you're gonna get engaged, you're gonna get engaged. You tell your girlfriend, there's nobody else, there's nobody else, nobody else. What does she tell you? That one deed of putting the ring on it, it doesn't matter if it's an expensive ring, not such an expensive ring. I mean, it depends on the girl, obviously. Depends on the girl. I take that back. I'm going to get hate mail for this year. Rabbi, why are you telling the guys it doesn't matter? Because they paid me more. That, I'm joking. Right? <laughs> right? You put a ring on it, it's done. All the conversations, all the intentions, what we're going to do, we're going to, maybe, it will be, it won't be. It's done when the person did the ma'aseh. They took something from the world of thought and they concretized it into a deed. My friends, so much of this world is like that. There'll be a time where a rabbi will speak to you about Shabbat and you're like, you know something? You know something? I really do should do Shabbat more. What's going to happen with that thought? Nothing. You're in a shiur. The rabbi is talking about how the most important thing in a marriage is to be mitchashev, to think of, to be sensitive to, to your partner. You're like, you know, I ignore her all the time. You should put your phone down with you with your kids. 
I really should put my phone down. What's going to happen with all of that? Nothing. Unless you take all of those thoughts, those emotions, those ideas, and you come to the table with it. You come up with something that actually locks in that thing. My friends, we're here today sitting on the day of Tu B'Shvat. The nature of Tu B'Shvat is a very powerful concept. It talks to the fact that when we talk about growing, when we talk about growth of a tree, when do we have this holiday? It should really be you're celebrating the fruits of a tree. It should be in the spring when you see a beautiful apple on the tree. You see a magnificent grape growing on the vine. That's when we should talk about these ideas. Why in the world are we doing it? Yesterday was one of the coldest days of the whole year. That's when we have to celebrate Tu B'Shvat last night, today. It's freezing cold. There's not a fruit in sight. Why are we celebrating Tu B'Shvat now? And the answer is, the Gemara tells us, that on this day, in the midst of winter, in the heart, in the inside of the tree, the sap begins to rise. And in that process, in the beginning of the growth process of the tree, that's when we point to it, and that's when we say we're going to celebrate Tu B'Shvat. With all of our tefillot, with all of our kavanot, with all of our thank you to Hashem. Why? The answer, my friends, is because the difference between accomplishment and stagnation is in that very moment. When something comes up inside of you, when that sap is rising, when there's a machshavah to do something different or to do something better, if we celebrate that moment and we draw your attention there, if you waited to spring, it's going to be too late. The rabbis say an unbelievable story, <clears throat> which I always struggled with. There was a, a young man who was sitting at the table. They were having a, a meal. And the time came towards the end of the meal. And he needed to say, Berkat Amazon. And he got a very strong Musar right at that moment about studying, about learning Torah. I don't want to go into the whole details of the story. Anyway, he felt inspired, decided, you know what? I need to run to the Bet Midrash. I need to open up a Gemara right now. She jumps up on the table. He runs upstairs, opens up a Gemara. This boy grew up to be a tremendous Tamil Chacham, one of, the great, uh, one of the great scholars of the generation. But he skipped Perkat Amazon. Why did he skip Perkat Amazon? And was it right to skip Perkat? It might not have been right to skip Perkat Amazon. He probably is going to have to answer for why he didn't say Perkat Amazon. But one thing the Ba'alei Musar say for sure is that had he stayed for Perkat Amazon, he never would have become the person that he became. Because you wait a minute and the temperature cools. So I want to draw your attention to this idea um, with regards to Yitro. Yitro attends, comes to, vi to visit the Jewish people. And he sees something that's not right. What does he see? He notices that Moshe Rabbeinu is judging the people and he's sitting there all day judging the people from the morning till the night. Yitro comes to Moshe and he says, it's not the right thing what you're doing. It's not the right thing. Nabol tibol. Gamata, gamaam, 
you, them, everyone's going to get frustrated. This, this is not the way it's supposed to be. It should be. We should do this a different way. Hada Yitro has been here for three and a half minutes. He doesn't know anything about Judaism. He's coming to criticize Moshe Rabbeinu, greatest prophet that ever lived. You don't want to wait on that for two minutes? Like maybe find out what's going on, why is there a line, is anyone else allowed to do it, what's the halachot of Dayanim, open a shulchan aruch, go to yeshiva for five minutes, no. Yitro says, it's not right what you're doing. Why? The Ba'alei Musar explain that one of the most incredible elements that God gave human beings is our ability to acclimate. You know what that means, to acclimate? You have people who go through the worst times in, the, in their life, and in the beginning they can't breathe from it. I'm going to wear these shoes. I'm going to only have these kind of clothes. I'm going to shop in Zara instead of Prada. That's where, you know, that's where we got to. For some people to shop in Zara, it's a privilege. For some people shopping in Zara, they say, Avodah Zara. That for them, it's the worst. I'm only in a place, a high places. I'm, you know, if it's not in the right address in Madison on 5th, I won't be caught dead wearing their items. Okay? For some people that shift into a lower grade, you know, they, they, they can't leave their apartment. They don't wear wearing the right clothes. But there's a gift from God. A gift from God that when the hard times come, it may be hard in the beginning, but eventually you get used to it. The chidush is that you can get used to anything. Again, I'm going to say that. You can get used to anything. A person loses someone, and in those moments of pure grief, they feel like they can never, they can't, the world will not go on. They'll never stop crying. God gives you a gift. And the gift is, slowly but surely, shikha, person slowly forgets the pain. They start living in a different way. And all of a sudden, they're capable of going, of smiling, of living, of moving on. People can get acclimated to anything. To the point where they just say to you, leave me alone. In Egypt, there was four-fifths of the Jewish people that got so used to being slaves that when it came time to leave, they said, we don't want to leave. I always ask this question. It's a trick question. Does anyone know where the most people, where does the largest population of people in prison, where do they come from? So people say, this bad neighborhood, that bad neighborhood, this race, this race, this color, that color, everyone has their own pshat. But it's a trick question. The largest number of people in prison come from prison. Because once you sit and someone takes care of your lunch and you figure out how to navigate your way in the prison and you have a schedule and a time and things are set, and things are, they run with some sort of seder. It becomes very difficult for people to get used to the idea that they have to go get a job. 
and they have to work with a boss and they have the volatile nature of family and there's the unsuspected, I don't know exactly when and where I'm going, I'm coming. Here I know exactly 11 o'clock, I have my, I go. meanwhile you're locked in a prison. But you can get used to anything. A person can get used to anything. So it is important that when something comes your way to react fast enough that you did not become acclimated to it. Rabotai, we are acclimated to anti-Semitism. Something happens, it's a shock. Everyone's like, oh my God, things will never be the same. Five days later, who's talking about it? 11 people get shot in Pittsburgh. Like, you know when we talked about it? You know when everyone remembered Pittsburgh? When there was a hostage situation in Texas. Oh, well, this happened. Didn't this? Feels like this just happened. They were attacking shuls. Did it come up in conversation throughout between? Probably not. You guys remember what happened in Jersey City? With the shooter, you guys remember that? Probably forgot about it already. Why? The human body is designed this way. Could you imagine if you walked outside thinking, I walk outside, I'm a Jew, I'm going to die. We wouldn't live. So it's something that's necessary. But what do we do sometimes? We turn this thing against God. We turn it against its proper purpose. If you're inspired to improve your marriage and you don't act, you come back, what do you say? That's just the way it is. Rabbi, you know, I would love to... She's just difficult. She's just high maintenance. He's just a guy with a temper, Rabbi. He's from another, a different generation. He comes from a different generation. They don't appreciate, uh, you know, the talents of women. He's, he's from Syria. You know, he's diff, Rabbi is different. A person doesn't have to accept these alternate realities. They, you don't have to. The challenge is, if you live in it long enough, you don't believe that there are any other possibilities. So, one of the greatest skills a person can develop in themselves is this unbelievable cat-like reflex. When something happens, to act on it. When something happens, to crystallize it. To turn it into something. To make it into a, a practice in your life. So as an example, a person sees that their, what's it called, their life was saved. They think to themselves, I'm not fulfilling my purpose. What three things can I do that are going to fulfill my purpose? That's locking it in. Someone speaks about marriage, you think I could be a better husband? I'm going to lock that in. I realize that this behavior from my wife is what's getting me upset. How am I going to solve the problem? Work on it, nail it today. I think that that's something which is very powerful. And Yitro understands that if he sits and watches the line in front of Moshe for long enough, you know what will happen? He'll get used to it. And then he won't say anything. You know why? Ah, Moshe knows more than me. There's a line from Moshe. Moshe says to Yitro, please don't leave us. Stay with us. You will be for us as eyes. Since Yitro, you don't come from where we come from. Since you're not from the same background, you come from another country, you weren't enslaved in Egypt, you're a newcomer, 
you can see things in a way that we can't see them. And my friends, that also helps us understand that when a person is going through any sort of difficulty, da'aga belev adam, a worry in someone's heart, sikhenna, he should tell it to another. Why? Because the other has not become acclimated. They can see things here that you can't see. Roots, approaches. I remember sitting with someone only last week. The person says to me, Rabbi, I have this problem. It's impossible. I don't know what to do. Could you tell me? Maybe I should pray. Maybe should I go to a mikubal? There's nothing. I was like, what do you mean there's nothing to do? Tell me the issue. Tell him the issue. I was like, why don't you do this? He was like, oh, I could do that. <laughs> I wound up giving them, I think it was three or four different ideas that they hadn't thought of. Not because I'm so smart. But because it wasn't happening to me. Tell it to another person. Who's your person? Who's your people? Who do you talk your stuff over with? The Mishnah in Avot says, Ase lecha rav. Make for yourself a rabbi and buy for yourself a friend. That's what it says. According to other opinions, the word kene in the Mishnah does not mean to buy. You know what it means? Huh? What does that mean? I never heard that pshat. It's a nice pshat. Just because I heard it, didn't never heard it doesn't mean it's not true. Option. Option. We use the word kane or kone to mean make. In the Amidah we say HaKadosh Baruch Hu is kone hakol. That doesn't mean that Hashem's on a buying spree. It means, kone hakol means God created, made everything. Okay? So the word kane or kone could mean to create. But this always bothered me. Because aselecha rav means make a rabbi. Kenelecha chaver you thought means buy a friend. Okay, that's the difference. But if kenelecha chaver also means to make, so why don't we just say aselecha rav, aselecha chaver? You got the question? Yeah. Doesn't sound as cool. Doesn't sound as cool. Okay. All right. Uh, I'd like to suggest a simple answer. The answer is, Aselecharav is one dimensional. Knelechachaver is two dimensional. You know how you acquire yourself a friend? By buying them. What does that mean? What does it mean to buy a friend? What does that mean? If it means that you buy them gifts, if it means that you spent $100 on them, then you know that this guy's not your friend. He just has a hundred reasons to like you. If you had to buy him, what do you know for sure? That he's not a friend. How do you acquire a friend? Some people think, oh, you, have, you go out, you have a great time, vacations, meals together. No. Those are fair weather friends. Those are people happy to party together. Happy to go to a great meal in, uh, in a nice restaurant. 
acquiring a friend happens when you show that person that you trust them. The acquisition of that friendship happens when the person sees that you rely on them. And it's one of the biggest challenges that parents face with their children. They don't realize that the way to make a child responsible is paradoxically to give them responsibility. Where parents are always saying, show me that you're responsible and I'll. That's not how it works. They show you that they're responsible when you give them responsibility. When a friend sees that you rely on them, what happens? Then the friendship means something to them because they see that it means something to you. The Pasuk in Mishle says, Bechol et ehov In all times, love a friend. Ve'ach, but a friend that's like a brother, Ve'ach litzara yulad, is born when you go through a difficult time. I think that's why some of the friendships that, you know, Israelis have, the best friends that they have, are their friends from the army. A lot of times they'll have friendships for life from the time they spent together in those high intensity situations. Even though, by the way, they have friends from school, you know, that they spent much more time with and they had much more fun with. But you're getting shot at together and someone, you, someone needs to watch your back when you're watching theirs, that creates a bond that is so strong that even if you don't speak to them for years and years and years, the time comes and you have your startup in Tel Aviv. You call your friend and he's the other guy from there and they do for each other in a way which is very different to you just your regular friends. My friends, you want to be able to have someone with perspective who will help you see your blind spots. You need to be honest and vulnerable with someone, open up to them and heed their advice. This, every person's got to have a person who helps them see blind spots in marriage, in religion, at work, the way they're dealing with things. You got to be able to have that for that person. Moshe said, Yitro, stick around, we need your eyes. Once a person sees the truth, you have that person who helps you see it, now it's up to you, what are you going to do with the truth? What are you going to do with it? How are things are going to be different? What will you plant that will grow in a beautiful way? The sap is coming up. That's the moment of decision whether a tree is going to come from this or not. Respect those moments. Do something with those moments. Baruch Amen. Amen.